Hi, and welcome to Better Than New, the podcast to help you find a cool used car, truck, or SUV at a price you'll love. I'm your host, Gary Crenshaw, and if you've been looking for a used car or truck, you know it's tough to find those three- to five-year-old used vehicles at a reasonable price. And the lack of inventory of both new and used cars, combined with inflation, means you're going to pay more, and in some cases, a lot more. Now that's frustrating, but there is a way out. All you have to do is a 180. Go the opposite direction and think outside the typical used car box. What do I mean by that? Well, I'll explain in a moment. So hop in, buckle up, and let's go for a drive. Now, you're probably familiar with the term immediate gratification. You know what that is. It's where people got to have what they want right at the very moment they want it. They don't want to wait. Well, as human beings, we're naturally impatient. We don't want to wait for stuff. We just want to be immediately gratified. But oftentimes it pays to wait or to approach the idea of fulfillment a little bit differently to get more of what you want. And in this case, when I'm talking about fulfillment, I'm really talking about buying the best used car or truck for the lowest price. So there was this great experiment first done in 1972 by a psychologist from Stanford University. It's called the Marshmallow Test. You may have heard of that. In this study, children who were about four years old had a large marshmallow placed before them and were offered a choice. They could eat the marshmallow now, or they could wait a little bit and get a second marshmallow so they'd end up with two. The kids were kept in a room, alone, one kid. The researcher would come in, give them the choice between eating one now or getting another one later and having two, and then they'd leave the room and they'd stay out for about 15 minutes. And it was really funny. They videotaped these kids doing it, and they just sort of like contort themselves into a pretzel, thinking about, should I eat the marshmallow now, or should I wait for two? Oh my God, I don't know. Now, if it was me and I was four years old, I'd just pop the marshmallow in my mouth and get it over with. But as an adult, I can withstand that temptation, that immediate gratification, because I'm also motivated by saving money. So today, I wanted to dig into this idea of thinking opposite, this mindset where you can overcome that temptation of getting what you want now to get more of what you want later, and how that applies to buying a used car, truck, or SUV. Here's some examples. So every spring, right about now, it's April as I'm recording this, I'm reminded of this temptation conundrum as it applies to convertibles. I have a convertible, so I'm not tempted to buy one right now, but if I didn't, I would be tempted. It happens every spring. It happens every summer. If you don't have a convertible and you like convertibles, you'll see one driving around or you'll see one on a dealership lot or you'll see one on some online website and think, oh, I got to get a convertible. And the reason you're thinking that is because, you know, it's springtime. The weather's getting nice. The sun's out. And you're thinking, I got to buy a convertible. But here's the thing. It's absolutely the worst time to buy one in terms of the cost. It's going to cost you more in spring and summer than it is to buy one in winter or fall. Conversely, if you own one, the best time to sell it is in the spring or summer, even though you're thinking, oh, it's spring or summer, I don't want to sell it yet. And the worst time to sell is in the fall or the winter because the value goes down. People aren't looking for convertibles in December. Some people. If it was me, that's when I would look. 
I would look in November, December, January, because nobody's thinking about convertibles and you can pair 10, 15% off the top of certain convertible cars and get yourself a heck of a deal if you want to shop outside the window. But you really have to approach it from the standpoint of thinking, I'm going to turn this 180 degrees and I'm going to think differently. I'm going to overcome my need for immediate gratification to get it in springtime or summer when I really want it. I want my convertible. You're not four years old. You can overcome this. But it takes some careful planning and thinking about what you want and then planning to make that purchase in the fall or the winter of next year, right? Six to eight months from now. It's hard for people. I get it. Maybe if you're 80 years old and you really don't have many summers left, okay, then you might want to get on that purchase now. But if you're 25 or 30 or 35 or 40, you got some time. Come on, you can put it off for another six to eight months and you can get a convertible and you can save yourself a substantial sum of money. So I live in the Pacific Northwest and the same sort of mindset applies towards all-wheel drive cars. We do have a winter season here. We don't get a ton of snow or anything, but where I live in the Cascade Foothills, we're high enough elevation that there's probably a three-month period of time where you could get stuck in a snowstorm that just sort of pops up all of a sudden. And it's a hassle, so I like having at least one all-wheel drive car in the family and also having a set of dedicated winter tires because it helps to get around. You're not stuck if uh, snow falls and, and it's going to be on the ground for three or four days. But the best time to buy an all-wheel drive car in that particular case is going to be in spring or summer. But a lot of people don't think about it until fall, winter. You know, it's going into fall and they think, oh yeah, the weather's getting bad. It's rainy. It's snowy. We got to go skiing. I need an all-wheel drive car. Well, again, it's not the best time to buy one. Now, I think convertibles are more impacted by the spring, summer versus fall, winter thing. But it still does apply to like an all-wheel drive car, not so much to maybe an SUV that also pulls double duty as sort of your camping vehicle in the summertime, but it does apply, so it's something to think about. Another way I look at this whole idea of doing a 180, thinking opposite to save money, is when it comes to snow tires. And you're probably like, what? What are you talking about? Okay, I'm cheap, but I'm not stupid. And when I look at the end of winter, I'm thinking if I need new snow tires for next year, I automatically think, you know, I'm going to look on Craigslist and try and find myself a set of winter tires. I did that a couple of years ago. We had a Honda Pilot and the Bridgestone Blizzak tires that I had on the car had reached the end of their run. They could still be used as an all-season tire, but their winter performance, they'd already kind of worn past that in terms of tread depth. So needed to get a new set. I immediately contacted Tire Rack, and the winter tires had all been sold out. So I hopped on Craigslist, and I just put in Honda Pilot Blizzak. Up pops a set of exactly the same Blizzak tires that I had. So I called the guy, and he's like, yeah, they're brand new. I, I used them one season. Now, you have to be careful, because one person's season is another person's lifetime. I said, how many miles did you put on them? He said, oh, maybe a 1,000. Okay, so that's pretty low miles. So I went to look at them, and they were brand new, virtually. I mean, less than a 32nd of an inch was worn off the tires, and they were in perfect condition. So they were $250, as opposed to the $600 plus $650 I'd pay for a new set. And the bonus, they came with Honda Pilot stock wheels that had the tire pressure monitoring sensors in the wheel. So I got the whole thing for $250. 
when I got them home, I immediately took our old Honda Pilot wheels and I sold them on Craigslist for like 150 or something. And so pretty much for like a hundred bucks, I got a brand new set of snow tires with the wheels and tires already mounted and balanced. So I didn't have to pay for that. It doesn't always work out that way, but I do find that nine times out of 10, if I just sort of turn things on their head, go that 180 direction, I can find something like snow tires for cheap and get exactly what I want. Sure, they were a year old, and literally, you don't want to buy really old tires off of Craigslist. The tires have a shelf life. In fact, there's a date code on the side of the tires, and I checked the code, and they were a year old, so the guy wasn't lying to me. I'll put a link in the show notes on how to check them, but basically it is a four-digit number, and it's in a little oval-shaped circle, and it might say 1921, and that doesn't mean 1921. It means the 19th week of 2021. Anyway, I'll put a link to that so you'll know how to read the date code on a tire. It's important to know. So this 180 mindset also applies to new winter tires, Okay. I buy most of my tires through TireRack.com, and in the summertime of, was it last year, I needed a new set of winter tires for one of our cars, and I went online probably in, I was like June or July. It was way before the typical influx of new winter tires, but all of a sudden, boom, here's this set in the exact size that I wanted. This tire was a year old. But I got a screaming deal on it. It was like 450 bucks for this set of four, which again would have normally cost like 650 or 700. I didn't care if they were a year old. Tires last six, seven years, eight years. And by 10 years, they're probably not good, even if you haven't used them because it's rubber. It breaks down over time. Anyway, I bought them and saved myself a chunk of money. Another way to save money too when you use a tire retailer, in this case, again, I'll use the tire rack as an example. Starting in late August, early September, all of the tire manufacturers typically have like a rebate available for their winter tires. It's somewhere between $50 and $100. And every year, Tire Rack lines up on their website the 15 or 20 deals from various tire manufacturers. And there's always a good deal out there. And what you end up getting is a $50, or $75, $100 prepaid gift card. And I typically use that to pay for the mounting and balancing of the tires that I buy in September or October. Again, I'll try to buy them early, and that way I've got the tires delivered to my house. Then I can take them to the local installer and then use that gift card to install and balance the new tires. Again, I'm cheap, but not stupid. So late summer, early fall is a great time to buy tires online. It's that idea of doing a 180 and thinking differently, going where the other buyers aren't. And most people aren't thinking about winter tires in August or September. They start thinking about it right just before the snow falls, and they end up paying way more than they should because they didn't prepare in advance. Every year, winter is coming. Every summer, winter is coming. Unless you're a dead person, winter is coming. So remember that. It's really easy to remember, okay? All right. Same thing applies to tools. I get a lot of my tools for the garage by doing the 180 thing, thinking differently. Rather than go with immediate gratification and run down to Home Depot or Harbor Freight or Lowe's, whatever, I will immediately go to Craigslist and type in what kind of tool I'm looking for. If I need a new shop vac or I need a compressor or I need who knows what, I'll go there because, again, nine times out of ten, I find what I'm looking for. And it's half the price or a third of the price or a tenth of the price in some cases. It's crazy how cheap some things can be. 
Now, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's overpriced. Somebody buys a compressor for $200 and then they put it on Craigslist for $175. It's like, it's only $175 and you don't have to pay tax. It's like, hey, dum dum, I'm not buying it unless it's 60 bucks or 80 Maybe 100 if I'm desperate, but I want it for a substantial discount. And there's always going to be somebody selling something for a reasonable discount. So check stuff out on Craigslist. Go 180. Do that. This same kind of mindset applies when it comes to buying a car from a dealership. And I want to make the distinction between a physical dealership and a online dealership. So a lot of people look at the physical dealers, the brick and mortar dealerships, if you will, And say, oh, I don't want to buy from them because, you know, high pressure, blah, blah, blah. Look, there's a certain amount of pressure everywhere. And there's a certain amount of profit built into these dealerships that I personally don't want to pay for. I don't want to put the dealership owner's kid through Harvard. I don't want to do that. I would rather save money by finding, curating that car myself, right? How does that work? Well, I'm going to have to go out onto Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, offer up wherever you like to shop for cars, Auto Trader, and find that thing myself. Because if you let the dealer find it for you, they're going out and finding those people who are trading in or selling a car that they no longer need. And then they're taking that car and doing a little bit to it. Maybe they detail the car. Maybe they replace the brake pads on the car. Maybe they put a set of tires on the car. That's fine. But, you know, you add up all that stuff and maybe it costs $800. Or, but then they're marking the car up. Maybe they took it in for 15000 They put another $1,000 into it. But then they put it up for sale for twenty four. Are you really willing to pay another $8,000 for that car simply because you want to have a car vending machine drop it down a lift and deliver it to you or have it delivered on a flatbed tow truck? I mean, is that what you want? I'm personally not willing to pay for that. I don't want to pay a ton of money for that. And you might think, well, it's not really that much more expensive. Look, whether it's a physical brick and mortar dealership or it's an online dealer, they're making a ton of money by marking these things up. And you can save a ton of money by finding it yourself. It just takes more time and more work. If you're not willing to put that in, if you want the immediate gratification of getting the car now, you're going to pay more for it. And in many cases, you're going to pay a lot more. If you're okay with that, then go for it. But I'm not. (laughs) I'm not okay with that. Now, another place I think you should do a 180 and save yourself some money is when it comes to regular maintenance for your car. Now, not everybody wants to do their own maintenance. I get it. Cars are complicated. They're messy. There's just things that people don't want to do, and I understand that. But I do think it's important for people, if you have the space, if you have the time and you have the tools, or maybe you know somebody who does who can help you with it, to change your oil for the first time by yourself. Learn how to do that. Figure that out. Maybe change brake pads on the car. Do some of the work that you might pay somebody else, you know, 500 bucks or 1000 bucks to do. Do it yourself and see if you can save some money, of course, but also you're going to learn things about your car that maybe you didn't know before. You're going to become a much more informed consumer. So even if you decide later to take it to a shop and have it have work done to it, you will be much more informed about how it works. I also use those moments, like if I'm going to be rotating my tires or changing a brake pad or something, I use those moments to inspect other parts of the car. You can look at the suspension parts. You can look up into where the engine compartment is, and you can see if there's an oil leak or something like that. It's an important way to get in touch with the the vehicle and how it works. So I definitely recommend people doing that, and it can be a money saver. 
people pay a lot of money to have their brakes done, for example. 800 bucks, 1000 bucks for a set or more, depending on the type of car you have. And a lot of times you can do that yourself for a fraction of the cost. So it does save a lot of money. And if you have a you know, day on a weekend to spend doing it with a friend, go for it. You might learn something. It's worthwhile. And then the last one I want to mention in terms of this, you know, thinking outside the box, doing a 180, looking at things differently is it's related to buying a car, but it's more about buying a particular car for every mission that you have. So let's look at it this way. The average used car price in the U.S. is about twenty-eight dollars to $30,000. Depending on who you look at for that information, you know, Kelly Blue Book says, I think, twenty eight, and NADA says a little bit more, whatever. So let's just take the number 28 to 30. Now, you could go out and buy your Swiss Army Knife vehicle. Typically, it's going to be like a crossover, an SUV, and you're going to use this for everything. On your commute, you're going to use it to go camping. You'll take it up to the mountains to go skiing. You'll use it for driving to the store to get eggs. It's your do-everything vehicle because you only have one. And you paid twenty-eight dollars to $30,000 for it, being the average price of a used car in the U.S., Let's assume that you have the money to spend and you're not troubled by the cost of that $28,000 vehicle. But if you did a 180 and thought of it differently and said, instead of buying one car to cover every mission, you instead buy two or three cars for specific missions. Okay, what do I mean by that? Let's look at it this way. Taking that twenty-eight dollars to $30,000. Let's take $10,000 and use that to buy a 2002 Mazda Miata, an NB Miata. Great car, fun to drive. For $10,000, you can buy a really nice Miata. It's not going to be the super collectible one. It's not going to be all worn out. It's just going to be a really great car that you could go out and enjoy on a summer day. It's your spring-summer car. You can have fun with it. Okay, so there's your Miata, $10,000. Let's say you want to have something to take you up skiing or to go fishing in the backcountry or camping, whatever. For my money, I'd probably want to get the 1997 through 2006 Jeep Wrangler TJ. That's how I would want to spend my money, at least today. Ask me in a year from now and I'll give you a different answer. So let's say you're looking at a 2003 Jeep Wrangler configured the way you want. You can get a really nice one for, say, 15000 I think you could get one for less, but just let's throw fifteen at it for the sake of argument. So you've got your $10,000 Miata. You've got your $15,000 Jeep Wrangler TJ. And now you've got this three to $5,000 left over. And what's that for? For me, again, my money, I'm spending it. I would get something that is my commuter car slash take me to the store to buy eggs car slash go to the trailhead, park it and not care if somebody breaks a window car. I would probably look at something like what I saw today on Craigslist, which was a 1991 Toyota Corolla. Now you're probably thinking, what? I'm telling you, this car was nice. $3,800 asking price, had 135,000 miles. It was owned by the same family. So it's not a one owner, but you know, been within the same family, probably handed down to different people and well cared for over its lifetime. You could tell by looking at it, it was really nice. The interior, no rips, perfect. The exterior was kind of a red or maroon color, nice and shiny. Anyway, if you're just driving to the store, or you're commuting 20 minutes and parking it in some parking lot. Who cares what you're driving? It could be a Toyota Corolla. And with 135,000 miles, this thing's just barely getting started. Now remember, after the last nuclear bomb goes off and there's that flash of light 
The only two things remaining are going to be cockroaches and Corollas. Somewhere, after we're all gone, there's going to be a Corolla sitting in a driveway idling. (laughs) Seriously, I mean, they just sort of last forever if you take care of them. And this car seems to be in that category. So I'd buy it and use it as my, you know, just car to do dumb stuff that I don't want to put miles on the Miata or the Jeep. But ask me tomorrow and I'll have a different three cars that I want to put on that list. Okay, so that's how I'd spend my money. How would you spend yours if you were going to spend that twenty-eight dollars to $30,000? I'm sure you could come up with some mix that would give you multiple vehicles for specific uses and maybe even still have money left over. So if you want to save money on your next used vehicle purchase, your next parts purchase, your tool purchase, or a tire purchase, do that 180 and think outside the box. Delay your gratification and go where the other buyers aren't. If you can do that, you just might save yourself a lot of money on your next fun-to-drive car, truck, or SUV. In the meantime, thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Gary Crenshaw. This is Better Than New, and I'm really glad you came along for the ride.